Hey everybody, it's me, it's your old buddy, Steve Simonson, and I'm back today doing the second part in our Sourcing in India mini-series. And I'm going to just talk through a little bit about my uh, continuous uh, findings and and some of the lessons uh, here in the uh, mini-series, again, all about sourcing in India. But I, I do want to just say it's relevant to sourcing anywhere. Uh, but the parts of the process in particular are universal and apply to any country that you do business in that would include India and then sometimes you do some localizations related to each individual country based on any number of factors so I know it's quite late in the United States everybody's probably sleeping but hello to uh, all the folks who are joining me live I presume you're in Asia or perhaps Europe uh, welcome one and all we're going to talk again just a little bit about the second part of my trip well, it's, it's uh, one ongoing trip, but my second installment in Sourcing in India. So if you want to know about sourcing, sourcing in India, uh, or those types of things, you're in the right spot because that's what I'm going to talk about today. So the first thing is in part one, just as a quick review, I talked about some of the, the you know interesting observations and you know some of the culture shock that you get when you travel to new countries. That's just part of the process, right? You can't get around um, seeing and hearing and smelling all the fun things that you might smell in uh, someplace outside of home, right? You, you kind of get used to how home is, and home may have its own uniqueness to it, but uh, I've certainly enjoyed the the flavors and of the people and the flavors of the food and, and all the rest of it. India certainly has no shortage of flavor. And let me tell you, some of the, some of the best food ever. So uh, I, as, as just giving you a little context to part two, I do want to talk about uh, just a moment about the sourcing process itself. Uh, and let's see, we've got um, kind of comment question. Okay, so I'll get to those questions later because uh, they're not quite on point just yet, but I'll, I'll certainly open it up to questions later. So let's talk again about India and make sure that we get into some of those sourcing uh, questions, including the idea of process. So I actually, in the, the blog article, which is linked in this uh, presentation uh, or this uh, video that I, that I set up, you will find a kind of a, a product sourcing process that literally takes it from the product discovery process and moves it towards the logistics process, right? So you, you have the idea of what you want to sell, and then you verify that idea through the, the sourcing and production side, and then you move it into the logistics side, assuming that you have um, uh, found a winner and so on and so forth. So that graph is up or that chart is up, and you can go check it out. But basically, it just says, you know, start with an idea, find candidates that you can work with, verify those candidates, get quotes, verify it with samples, and then place orders, right? And so that is not... I would say an unknown, right? Most people understand these types of things, but it is where we have to begin that contextually, then we're on the same page. So I want to make sure that you guys are clear that in my opinion, sourcing is a function, right? Sourcing is a tactic. It's where I think discovery of a product, that's a strategy, right? We think about product discovery and which products we're going to bring out. That's a strategy, figuring out where we can compete and where we can win it has a strategic importance. And the difference between strategy and tactics, right, is 
strategy, we're going to figure out where we're going to fire that rocket ship. Where, you know, where is that rocket ship going to go? And if it's one degree off, by the way, it's going to be on a different planet. Tactics are how do we get that rocket to go up in the air, right? That's the difference a, a little bit between tactics and strategies. And I think that sourcing itself is a tactic. It's the how. The why came before, and that's the, the discovery process. Now, I do want to point out that, if, for example, in India, we're finding some surprises here, uh, some some quite good surprises, I would say, uh, but also some surprises that aren't quite up to par. And that's uh, maybe that shouldn't be a surprise. I don't know. Uh, maybe it shouldn't be a surprise. But that is what we have going. Uh, and I, I do want to just uh, challenge everybody here. Uh, I can't tell if I have something on me or not. Let me just check, everybody. No, I guess that's just the color of my uh, facial hair. That's the last little spot of color. Everything else is going gray, everyone. You can cry for me later. All right, so back to the point. The point is, it, as you're thinking about the tactical level, you need to really think about the execution. You need to think about the process. And for us, you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking and asking questions about, you know, where do you get your raw materials? How long have you been in business? How many people do you have working here? And, and trying to put all of that framework around the discovery process, which is, you know, part of that larger strategy I just referred to. I've had the chance to meet some of the, some of the team members that we have working here. Uh, and just to be very clear uh, that I haven't met before in person, right? Maybe I've met them on a Zoom meeting or what have you, but I had the good opportunity to meet some of the team in Mumbai. And then I went on to Hyderabad which is kind of a, a tech capital down in the South. Uh, by the way, just a little side reference, I think Microsoft has an office of like 20,000 people there. So that gives you a sense that uh, that particular town is quite important in the tech world. So because it's a tactic, that means we got to work hard. <laughs> I think strategy, at least to me, it comes easier because you can do it in an office, you can do it in the lounge, you can do it while you're you know, sleeping. It can be a much less impactful physical activity. But I'll tell you what, sweat equity is what happens when you start getting into the tactical side. We Many times this week, we've spent you know, 12, 14, 18 hours on the road. Uh, on one day, I started the day in Mumbai. I flew to Hyderabad, did a full day there, and then flew to Delhi the same day because we have to be going places. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because I think that people occasionally, not always, but occasionally, they run the risk of thinking that sourcing is just a glamour trip and it's just a you know a trip to have fun. And, and I want to have fun. Don't get me wrong. But I know I got to put in the time. I know I got to put in the efforts. And it's that sweat equity that literally the sweat turns into equity, right? All that work can pay off if you get it right. So don't confuse the idea that, you know, this is just a sourcing glamorous, you know, uh, trip where there's no problems. It's constant problems. Uh, you know, we're stuck in a traffic jam or, uh, you know, there's a bunch of uh, people crossing the road or cows or whatever it is, and we can't get to where we need to go. Uh, I told you guys in the first segment that, you know, these farmers have blocked off parts of the freeway up in the Delhi area in the, in the north. And that created its own thing where we're literally driving in, in dirt roads to get around them and and all kinds of other kind of fun things. But I always say, eh, you know, what are you going to do? You just got to suck it up and deal with it. 
Uh, and also, by the way, when I landed in Delhi, the air quality was at, you know, just absolute nightmare levels, right? The smog and the pollution are quite uh, rigorous and annoying. And I actually put a, a post of that in the blog. You can take a look and you can see that the outdoor air quality was just all-time low. That weighs on you if you're working 12, 18 hours a day out in the the elements, so to speak. Uh, and there's no mask that's going to uh, filter that unless you put on the the real kind of gas mask kind of stuff. So it's just part of doing business elsewhere. And over time, you hope that those things will improve. And I will say that in China, it's quite similar when I started there. And to a certain extent, in my more recent trips, it's improved. When I first started going to China, I think for the first six to seven years, I never saw a blue sky or the sun, right? I never saw the moon. I never saw anything clear. And that is part and parcel of doing business in a kind of industrializing nation, but not yet fully industrialized. And all of that is just to say that, you know, no pain, no gain. It's going to take time. And it's not uncommon for, you know, myself at least, maybe I'm just weak-minded, but, you know, sometimes you find yourself asking, why am I doing this? What's the point? What Do I really need to go to this last factory? Or do, is this other contact or resource really worth all this effort? And largely the answer comes back, yes, it's worth it. Uh, and I, I share this because I want you guys to be prepared to know that hard work is what sets you apart from your competition, right? If you work harder than the other people, you have a better potential to eclipse that competition. If you find some edge, not, and by the way, you're never going to make pricing your edge. Pricing is not going to be the thing that you win on. It's going to have to be a combination of things. It can include price. It can include the quality. Uh, maybe Price plus quality equals value, right? So you're like, well, I'm a higher price, but I'm double the quality or better thickness or whatever. There are ways you can smooth the economics of things. There are ways you can improve the net value of the price by addressing things like waste. You know, why is it so high priced? I ask questions all the time that sound dumb, but it's like, hey, I've got a quote from one guy, it's a dollar, and another guy, it's a dollar fifty. Why? And I just keep asking questions until I get to the truth. You know, now one guy is going to say, well, that's just because I'm I'm really good at what I do. And I'm like, eh, but the laws of physics still apply to you, right? Gravity and pricing pressures apply to everyone. So I want to know really and truly what are those differences. And often you'll find out that the specifications have somehow been mismatched uh, from what you wanted to what they thought they could do uh, better. And I will be fair to the, the factory. Sometimes they're doing that because they hear you say price, price, price. And they're like, yeah, you want a lower price? Fine. We'll just hollow out the sides of this thing so that it's lighter. We use less material and you get what you want. But they don't tell you that. They just go, yeah, we'll meet your price. And then you find out later that the, the product quality wasn't what you expected. And these nuances happen anywhere. And they can happen in India too. I don't want to – I'm not – by the way, picking winners, right? I, I think that there is pressure on China. I think there's geopolitical problems that we have uh, with China making it a consistent and stable supply chain. And so we're we're moving around and we have to, to have alternatives and at least uh, plan Bs, uh, if you will. And so I'm, I'm not saying one should win over the other, but I am saying the best will win. And I wanna be with the best. Uh, I can tell you on this trip, 
that we found one of the most extraordinary, actually the singular best factor I've ever seen making a particular product. And I can't get into that product because it's a big part of our uh, product line. And um, frankly, I don't want to tell my competitors <laughs> where it is and what I'm doing and why. Uh, but I can just tell you that I have been in this type of factory all over the world, probably very close to 50 of these, this specific kind of factory that makes a, this specific product. And so I've seen them in the United States. I've seen them in uh, maybe Canada. I, I can't be certain, but certainly an adjacent product to this category in Europe and all over China, as well as uh, Vietnam, by the way. So I've seen this factory concept everywhere. And I just saw in India the singularly best output ever from a factory. Not just the output, it's because of all their input. Their factory equipment was world-class, second to none. The factory environmental controls, unbelievably um, pristine and, and well-controlled. The automation processes were absolutely the best I've ever seen in the world. And I'm stressing this because I did not come to India and expect to see world-class, best-in-class, you know? I didn't expect to see the very best manufacturer I've ever seen in this category with the best automation, the best technology, and kind of the best processes being in India. I really didn't. Now, and that's my own bias, by the way. I'm, you know, I'm wrong all the time, and this is another good example. But it's one of those happy surprises because it was a lot of work getting there. But I'll tell you, once we did... And even as I was going there, I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, it's a long drive. It's, you know, I, I hope it's worthwhile. And I only had a very narrow time period to see it, but I was blown away. And this has a huge potential, huge potential across three different verticals for us to introduce products in these verticals on Amazon, on eBay, on Etsy, on Costco, in Walmart, um, Target, Home Depot, uh, really really exceptional potential. So, and by the way, we had heard of this company. We we're aware of this company. I just never been there. And they talk a big talk, right? Any salesperson, yeah, we're the best. Boop, boop, boop. But everybody says they're the best. So I trust nobody when they say they're the best, but it turns out these guys are the best. And up until now, our pricing discussions have always hit a wall. So as we've dealt with our counterparts from this factory in the United States, they have always just kind of hit a wall. It's like, Hey, hey, here's the price. And we're like, eh, now it's dead because we have alternatives that deliver consistency and certainty that is adequate for us, right? It's reaching the, the levels that we need, nominal levels of you know, profitability, predictability, and so on and so forth. And this factory now is going to be able to get in into the right level. And it's because we have now met the right levels of executives. It's not that the salespeople weren't doing their jobs. They just don't have the full authority to move into that next picture, that next uh, pricing picture. And part of that is because we have to go and demonstrate that we add value, right? That, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're players. We're going to make this thing go. We're going to do these special things. You know, you do your part, we'll do our part. And all of this is that relationship building. I talked about it uh, before, but it really is always going to be the most important thing that happens when you're building a business. You must build relationships and sourcing as a function, as a tactic is no different. 
the relationships will produce the results. And those relationships forged in the middle of sweat equity and, and long trips and so forth are even that much more valuable. I find them more lasting often because a long day and then a nice lunch or dinner somewhere and we have some laughs and I make some jokes that are, well, the jokes are hilarious, obviously. Um, and occasionally you get a laugh back uh, as well. So all of that builds those relationships and, and adds value to the process. So I want you guys to think that, you know, although you may not have to, to go through the same level of effort that I have, depending on the scale of your business and depending on the, the appropriate level of investment and so forth, I want you to think about this as a philosophy. You know, how do you, you know, how can you take your current level of whatever it is, let's just say searching on Alibaba. And by the way, you can search on Alibaba and just filter for India just to see if you can start getting some contacts that way. There are things like made in India and in other places you can do some searches, but it starts with searches and then you can, you know, can find uh, trading companies or sourcing agents and so forth that you'll be able to kind of get further and further down the line. And there are more and more resources available to help you with that, that we'll talk about in the future. So I, I really want to, you know, take a minute and just, you know, tell you guys that India is viable. It's been a good trip. Uh, there are some things India will not be viable for. Um, you know, I don't want to get into a whole long list, but if they have to get a bunch of chips from China and do a bunch of assembly and things like that, it's going to be harder for them to compete. It's not that it can't happen. Uh, I've found people making electronic components here that I think can be competitive, but until there's some kind of upstream uh, development of that supply chain, right? The components that you need to make a product come up from upstream. And many of those components, even in India, are originating from China still. And that will be overcome with time. The more people who do business in China, or excuse me, do business in India, will foster that local ecosystem. So when it comes to packaging, when it comes to all of the upstream raw materials, those things, the bigger they become, the more that India will have interest, self-interest in managing those, reducing shipping times, reducing costs, reducing, you know, whatever they can and controlling more and more of that process. And the factory I was just talking about who has just this extraordinary, um, you know, world-class system, they still have some, some offshore sourcing they're doing, but within months, they're going to bring that into India. They see the same thing that I do, that that is always a risk. And so I'm just sharing uh, this kind of update with you. This is the phase two, seeing a lot of fun things. Uh, I do think that the opportunities that are coming to India, if global trade, you know, can, can be further developed here are really meaningful for India. And, and they have the beautiful demographics and, and, you know, wonderful ways of kind of bringing up their, their country. And that will be a, a great byproduct uh, if we're able to cooperate. But we can't make that decision singularly. Our decision has to be focused on what's best for our customer, how's the profit going to be for us, and then the, the lucky winner gets you know kind of the upstream uh, results, uh, or maybe those are downstream results. I don't know. But my point is India is great. I've had a good time. I've worked really hard. And if you come here, you should expect 
to work hard too. Uh, and I'll probably be back in the spring of next year uh, and probably have some people come along with me. So I will now open up for questions. If you go to, by the way, empowery.com, you can see some other written notes about this uh, Sourcing in India Part 2 series. And Part 1 remains there as well. But just go to empowery.com. And you can leave a, a comment on the blog or a question there if you wish. Uh, but we're just sharing this for free. Uh, there's no no pressure. Uh, so uh, we've got a question from Atib. And let's see if I can put it on the on the screen here. So he says, I see on the website list something about translation. These websites are... Okay, so I guess you're asking, in the world of sourcing, like in China, there are things like 1688 and made in China that require a translation, right? 1688 doesn't come in English, uh, as an example. What I would say is, and then he goes on to say, so if, if you have to translate it, how do you set the criteria for such a website? So I'll tell you how I do it, Atib. Uh, I have a team in China, and they localize the language. And whether they use 1688 or anything else, they have that, that skill set. And if you don't have that skill set, right, uh, I certainly would understand that, then that's where a sourcing company or a trading company would add value to you, right? If you can't do it and they can, that would add some value to you. So um, my general uh, advice, and by the way, I should just point out, since we're talking about India, India uh, has a much more common access to English. Uh, you shouldn't take it for granted that, you know, you shouldn't speak with um, slang or, you know, weird nuanced language uh, here because there, there's still so many languages in India. But India is highly, highly spoken throughout India. In fact, it's a great comfort when you're traveling and many of the road signs are in English and, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot to uh, using uh, English in India. And so as I think about sourcing, I think, you know, Again, India represents a really interesting alternative. And I will tell you that I am not the only person here. Now I see the lounge filling up with people, um, trading traders from all over the world. By the way, lounges, that's the only way to go. Uh, if you travel and you don't have a place to come back and just kind of relax and make it feel like you're home away from home, for me anyway, it gets harder. And so I always recommend uh, luckily I've got the, the status with some hotel chains and they let me go into their lounge for free, but just having that lounge and having, you know, a nice little cold beverage and a snack or what have you, it just makes life easier because it's predictable. Wherever I go, I can go use these resources and enjoy the upsides of, um, you know, kind of the travel, right? So as, a, as you go out and you're breathing dust and fumes and all kinds of stuff all day long and stuck in traffic, and then you can retreat back to uh, kind of a home-like feeling, that is kind of, for me, that helps me maintain, you know, kind of a center, if you will. Uh, so anyway, I, I highly recommend that. Uh, oh, Cameron agrees. Uh, let's see what Cameron says here on screen. He says he totally agrees on lounges. Uh, go on to the travel blogs and figure out how to get status. It is a game changer. And Cameron's totally right about that. If there's a way you can hack your way to those statuses, sometimes there are cards. You know, a credit card might give you status that you haven't actually earned through time and money spent and so forth. Um, it's a big deal. And I will tell you that when I go places, whether it's an airline or uh, a hotel or what have you, and I just get a, something just a little easier. Uh, in the United States, I use Clear and TSA Pre. 
it takes me 10 seconds to clear security in the United States and most airports. That is such a game changer, right? Cameron just talked about, you know, looking for game changers. For me, that is such a big difference because when you fly all the time, you don't have time to spend in lines forever, right? I also have global sources for my return to the U.S. So I just, I don't have to talk to anybody. I just go to a machine. They scan my face. I uh, give my passport. Actually, I don't have to do the passport. Now they just scan the face and they go, yeah, you're fine. Get the hell out of here, right? That's what you want. And so if you're traveling frequently or if you think you have the potential to, start thinking about how to get, you know, lounge access and picking places that have lounges, ideally, and making sure you're not spending more than you need to. And same thing on airlines, you know, try to get uh, a, a level that will give you an adequate level of comfort, right? Tomorrow, I'm going to start flying back to towards home, and I actually have to stop over in London for a few days. But it, when I was just going direct, it's like, you know, um, London or um, Delhi to London is, is, you know, probably 10, 12 hours. And then London to Seattle would be another 11, 12 hours, 11 hours probably. And so for me, I've, I really want to have a business class ticket. And that helps me just maintain sanity and also helps me maintain my schedule. Um, although I'm decided I have to stay over in London for some, some business stuff, um, I had already made commitments for Thursday, the day after I returned home to Seattle um, uh, under the plan A. And by having access to all these things, I felt confident that I'd be able to, you know, make these commitments and do, I'm um, doing presentation for Andy Slammons. And I think we've got an empowering mastermind on that day. And there are other things that I've committed to uh, the very next day. And the whole point is all of these little luxuries, if you will, um, they, they can have a tangible ROI. So Cameron's got a tip here. He says for Marriott, get a personal Marriott AMX a business Marriott AMX. I think that's for overseas. In the U.S., Marriott has a, uh, a visa, and, and they do. They give you almost all the way to platinum. And, <laughs> and Cameron, just like me, uh, he's in a Marriott. I'm in a Marriott in Delhi, India. And I will tell you, I just this is turned into a Marriott commercial, but I want to tell you guys, I travel all the time. And it is, it's a giant pain in the keister at times, right? I try to be thankful and and i really am thankful largely and i i always you know uh start with the gratitude but sometimes you're just tired and i've been going to lounges or at least hotels that are supposed to have lounges like in new york and in london and other places i've been recently and they have fallen short because apparently the diet pepsi has caught covid right, right? i went to the jw in new york they didn't have any you know soda in the lounge and that kind of thing is really lets down a customer. So, you know, as they deprecate the benefits and the expectations that I have, it deprecates my appreciation for it. But I will just give shout outs to the JW Marriott in Delhi, right by the airport. They are killing it. They have a tremendous staff, the friendliest people. Every time I go by, they're like, namaste, namaste, right, which is like, hi. And I tell you, they are just killing it with the service. Every person, the chefs, the managers, the, the people running and grabbing drinks, they're all so nice. And it just makes, like the stress just comes right off the top of you, right? It makes you feel like you're at home. And it makes you feel like I know what to expect. I can be comfortable. And if you do choose to you know, be a global traveler, 
this is one of the best tips I could possibly give you is to have your sense of normal, your sense of home in, in the experience somewhere. Because if you do, you'll find it's far more easy to just get up and go, right? I, I literally, so I told you I have to extend my trip to London. So I was going to go onwards directly to Seattle, but now I'm going to stay over in London for a couple of days. And I land on a Saturday in Seattle when I get back, and Sunday I take off and I go to Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, and I'm going to do the Thanksgiving holiday there. So, but I feel comfortable because I've got lounge access at Delta. I've got, you know, I can do all these things. I've got a great Turo uh, Tesla waiting for me in Phoenix. It's going to be really, really fun. So listen, uh, Atib, Cameron, thanks for uh, uh, engagement and hanging out and talking. I want every entrepreneur, every entrepreneur to know that I love you, right? I love entrepreneurs. If you're trying to do something, you're trying to make a difference. If you're just trying to succeed, then I'm in your corner. I'm cheering for you. And, uh, you know, I can just tell you that hard work is what pays off. There are hacks and there are tactics and there are things that we can do. But at the end of the day, it's just hard work. And anybody who tells you otherwise, they haven't walked the roads long enough to, to understand. Hard work is important. That doesn't mean you grind yourself to death, and we'll talk about that some other time. Uh, like I said, we I just spent you know five minutes on lounges. I want to relax. I want to enjoy. I want to have meetings there, right? We've held meetings in the lounges where I can be the host to my my guests, even though I'm in a foreign country, and you know get them whatever they want and make them feel special because they're they're doing me favors or helping me or teaching me or what have you. So anyway. Thanks again, everybody. I really appreciate you. And, you know, to steal a line from Zig Ziglar, I'll see you at the top. Bye, everybody.